Hey folks, Jeff Salzman here and welcome to The Daily Evolver and to another episode of The Shrink and the Pundit, where I, Jeff, the pundit, talk with my old friend, integral psychotherapist, Dr. Keith Witt, about all things integral. All right. So, Dr. Keith, you uh, sent me an article a few days ago that you were taken by and and wanted to uh, talk about. And uh, and I was glad to have it because it's by Otto Scharmer. And the title is Axial Shift, The Decline of Trump, The Rise of the Greens, and the New Coordinates of Social Change. And I know Otto Scharmer is an MIT professor. He is a public intellectual. And I know a lot of integral people like him. So I wanted to know more about him. Mm-hmm. And why don't you introduce it? And it's really a fertile field to plow together. <clears throat> well, you know, I was talking to, a, to an integral guy. He was worried that in a group he was going to go to, that, that they would have the myth of the given and that he wouldn't be able to be part of the group. And I said, look, integral is a big tent. It's just because somebody doesn't get the myth of the given or, you know, that they, they, they have some kind of green, you know, fallacy. It certainly doesn't mean that we kick them out of the tent. You know, it just means that, you know, we have to adjust a little bit dealing with them. Um, Otto Scharmer, uh, you know, Ken, Ken says that there's knowledge by description and knowledge by acquisition. And now knowledge by acquisition is knowledge that changes you. And so... Just to make sure that was clear, knowledge by acquisition is knowledge that changes you. Yeah. That you and, and, and the first is knowledge by what now? Description. Yep. Well, you can describe something, you can learn something, but it doesn't change you necessarily. You know, like uh, it's a fact. It might be an interesting fact, but it's not embodied in a particular way. It doesn't shift the system. And so Sharmer noticed this early in his career and developed the Sharmer U, where he said the way people really learn is they go through a series of stages, which interesting to me kind of mapped the stages of ceremony, which was very popular in Brazil, by the way, the, the, math, the, the stages of ceremony, um, where they go down into, you know, into an experience that creates some confusion, going back to complexity theory, which creates a crisis of some sort where they kind of have to struggle with something, receive influence, it creates a sense of clarity, you know, greater complexity, which creates a sense of possibility, which leads them into a new level of, of complexity. And he's had research that supports that. And, um, and it's been quite useful and people have um, um, adopted it. And he started a program in Europe where he brought 50 people from around the world and all of them t- together to say, let's see if we can be a seed that can kind of support the evolution of consciousness. Because as is detailed in this article, um, he sees that the hope of the future is the evolution of consciousness. Um, you know, and of course, we always like people who agree with us. I like Otto because Otto agrees with me. I've been saying this for years, that there's, a lot of, there's enough money and there's enough technology and there's enough people, there's not enough consciousness to activate all that stuff and solve all the problems. So after the, um, the 2016 election, you know, where there's that, the, the Democrats came in, um, <clears throat> looking at, at how people- So this is the, the, the election two years into the Trump presidency, the yeah. Democrats basically win the house, which is yeah. very significant. Here we are. So this is when this was written, whatever it is. Right. And for him, he was seeing this, 
so he it caused him to go okay he was he was paying attention to the discourse and not being a particularly integrally informed person came up with his own analysis of it so, similar in a lot of ways to ken you know the post-truth analysis but with a few little clicks okay one thing is he said that liberal conservative doesn't make any sense to him what makes sense to him is open and closed. Now, when he goes into closed, he goes into some green rage at the pathological aspects of previous memes. But you know, he, he, to, to a certain extent, he has a point. Now, what part of the point he doesn't make is that the, the both sides have things to offer. You know, that the stability, the stability that is at the core of conservatism. You know, that sense of going into depth and community and then and then extending that, that's a healthy part of it. And so that was a little bit missed in his analysis, but that's okay. Um, so he said, rather than liberal conservative, he looks at open and closed, which makes more sense. And open systems receive influence, open systems evolve, open systems um, are interested in um, moving forward. Basically, he's he's whether he's doing it directly or unconsciously, he's describing basically second tier understanding, felt appreciation for multiple points of view, um, the, the inadequacy of language, um, the, the sense of constant development being um, the organizing principle of the 21st century and beyond for human beings. Yep. And then he looked at, close, uh, at the closed system and the closed system, he looked at all the pathologies that keep people from, from wanting personal evolution which is the objectifying, denying, um, avoiding, looking away, all those kinds of things. So he said that access made more sense to him than liberal or conservative. But he said there's other accesses that are happening in the world also. He said another access is the access between gross national product and well-being of the people. That the well-being that he believes that in the countries where the well-being of the people matter, they're willing to sacrifice a half percent, maybe a percent of, of growth in the interest of upping the well-being of the people by 20 or 30 or 40 percent. Um, in happiness surveys and in uh, ecological evaluations, that really works. Um, because in those systems, it, it's going back to the, a management model where an outcome isn't just, um, isn't just an economic outcome. You have also have a social outcome and an ecological outcome. You know, you know, business, in other words, if we have a deep purpose in our business, we want the outcome to be success of the business materially, but also we want to have a positive effect on the world and a positive effect on people. Okay, so those three outcomes, if they're all important, make for super healthy businesses. And so he says, well-being taken into account as a dimension makes for a super healthy country. And he's right, in terms of the countries that do that, they have healthier people, they have more ecological, sustainable, less carbon emissions. You know, they, they have problems, but they don't have the same kind of problems of, uh, in countries where they don't do that, like our country. It's but not part of, of, of Otto Scharmer's article that I agree with and recognize as integral and really support is that he's talking about the next stage. I'm not sure it's integral in, in, in a certain way, but what it is, is it's certainly the healthy green that we want to take into integral. Yes. And that is moving from growth to sustainability as an economic system, just as a mindset. And he has a growth to well-being. I mean, I love that. Also, eco egocentric to ecocentric. Exactly. So educate the whole child, ego systems awareness to 
so ego to eco, E-C-O. Yeah. And that's just classic development. You know, you're moving from egocentric, ethnocentric to, you know, world-centric. And so I, I'd celebrate that part. But I have to say that his analysis is, I think, actually in the category of mean grain. Yeah. Uh, starting with the idea of open and closed, where he situates progressive liberalism on the open end of the axis and conservatism on the closed end, which is true, has a certain intuitive truth, as long as you try to see the piece of the truth that both of those positions hold and try not to do what each side does, which is to define the other side by their worst aspects. Okay. You know? And so he defines closed as the mindset that amplifies the triad of fear, hate, and ignorance. Right, right. That's what I mean. And, and, and he, you know, and it manifests in blinding, which is not seeing reality, desensing, which means not empathizing with others, absencing, losing the connection to one's highest future, blaming others, the inability to reflect, and then finally destroying, the destruction of nature, relationships, and self. And um, I, I just, I, I know, and I just think the integral could do better than that. I see that, you know, there's a, there's a, there's a, a implication in that, that these people, who are on that bottom part of his uh, axis, uh, that they're fallen in some way. They've fallen from some state or they're defective in some way that we aren't. And we got it and they don't. And I just think Integral gives us an opportunity to have a far more generous view, in my opinion, mm -hmm. which is that, you know, everybody can see what they can see and no further. And everybody actually gets to live their life seeing what they see. And that every worldview sees things that other worldviews are blind to, which gets me curious. What do they, my opponents, see that I'm missing? As we develop, we lose things that at integral, we want to reintegrate. I always use the example of an eight-year-old and a 12-year-old. You know, you would never say of an eight-year-old relative to a 12-year-old that they are not seeing reality or they're not empathizing with others, or they're losing the connection with self, or they're destroying nature, relationships, and self, that would feel uh, abusive. Yeah. And, and, and actually, also, I think what he's doing and what he's talking about is, of course, the liberal line, mm -hmm. but it's actually abusive. And no. what it doesn't do is it doesn't allow what you've talked about all the time. In fact, just, I think, in this talk about... What moves us forward is the ability to be influenced. Mm -hmm. And you're not going to get there with this kind of an analysis. Absolutely. And particularly, um, again, by identifying the things that are wrong by the unhealthy aspects of the worldview, it's just, it is just so pervasive. And I, I agree. And, you know, and, and by the way, green isn't the only one that does that. All the value memes fight with the other value memes by identifying the ridiculous or the unhealthy aspects of them and identifying them by the ridiculous, unhealthy aspects. Yeah, that's right. And, and also... And, and this guy's doing the same thing. I think, I think that he is with the open versus closed because he's not coming up with a healthy version of closed. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you want, you want to talk about closed. How about a system that has disenchanted the world? Yeah. How about, you know, 
God is banished. Uh-huh. Uh, that the, the transcendent is banished. That things like dignity and obedience are quaint, mm-hmm. you know, or oppressive. You know, that's how conservatives see liberals. Right. You know that we we've closed. You know we're. We've reduced the world to we're some sort of accident of molecules that are hurtling around on a rock. I wow. mean, so there's some validity. You know, that's unhealthy green. So yeah. So if you want to identify progressives by unhe- by their unhealthy side, those those are absolutely the unhealthy sides of green. Yeah, exactly. And, and they're valid critiques. Yes. And and the other thing is you don't influence somebody by um, convincing them that they're evil. <laughs> right. Yeah. No, that's the thing is I, I wouldn't mind his analysis if I didn't think that it actually impeded his diagnosis, you know, or his, his, his cure. Well, practically speaking. So here's the thing, um, in my opinion. So the, so the whole open versus closed. Now, I, I, think, I think open versus closed actually works in ter- if you're looking from a system standpoint and you're not pathologizing either side. Because that certainly works in family. Yeah, it certainly works in organizations. You know, when, when you take an input from the outside, you do better. When you don't take an input from the outside, you do worse. Um, uh, they're, they're, so in terms of receiving influence. Now, um, he, there are people that, now this is where it gets more complicated. So there's people that he would define as open, that I would define as closed because they're not receiving influence. Okay? Like, so if somebody is, is self-defined as open and they go, well, the way for me to be with conservatives is contemptuous and dismissive, I'd go, you know, I think that's a closed perspective. I think the way to be with every human being is respectful and interested. And, you know, here's the thing about development, and, I, and this is an integral perspective that is, is politically incorrect with Green. Um, I frankly see things, a lot of things that other people don't see. So if I'm talking to somebody that doesn't see something, or if I have more depth of consciousness, I have more responsibility in that situation to manage the dialectic in a positive way. And, and you know, it's not equal. Okay. I, I am seeing, I am seeing. More- know, it's, it, it's so true, Keith. It, it, that realization is, is very difficult and scandalous. It's scandalous. It's scandalous. Yeah, right. You know, they talk about the scandal of Christianity is that Jesus died for your sins, and if you don't see that, you're going to go to hell. I mean, right. that's a, you know, and, and every new view has a sort of scandalous quality. And integrals is that there are stages of development among adults. Yeah. That some people actually see more than other people and yes. have more responsibility. Yes. Situation. Yes. And one responsibility we have is to catch our own contempt and to dialysize it into respect, okay? Which he doesn't do with open versus closed because, you know, he's just as pissed off as Rachel Maddow and everybody else at the indignity. You know, well, I, 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 my Jeff liberal is right there with them, yeah, these assholes. And actually, I think there's another distinction we can make here, Keith, that'll help us clarify this conversation. And that is when we're talking about conservatives, we could talk about, uh, you know, the sort of conservatives or, or if you want to call them closed or whatever. But in terms of development, we're talking about the amber meme or the blue meme. Yeah. There's the red meme. Mm-hmm. The red meme ought not be uh, given the assumption of good faith. 
Now, right. the red meme is the stage before Amber, so before traditionalism, and that is the you know, I'm out for myself. It's basically egocentric. Now, from a developmental standpoint, it, there it is, and it has its certain qualities. It's, a, it's a, certainly alive. It's got a lot of energy. You know, it's, it's got some stuff we want. Uh, but this, and this is what confuses, the, I think, the contemporary political conversation. Trump's red. Yeah. You know, his followers are largely blue amber, mm-hmm. but he's red. And so... Um, while we can ascribe good faith to people you know, who follow him and conservatives as in general and this system that Otto Scharmer calls closed, we, we want to ascribe good faith to them. But there are people, they're, they're actually pre-good faith. And it's, I don't even say that in a way of condemning them. It's just that that doesn't make a lot of sense to them. It's like life is not a good faith, you know, whatever. Well, and also you heard me, I heard you. Yeah, exactly. And there's a certain intelligence to that at a certain level of development. Well, that's red morality. Beings lived for most of our existence. That that's red morality. You know, for for Trump, weirdly, if somebody attacked him and he didn't attack him back, he would be behaving in an immoral fashion. Exactly. Violating his own moral standards. He'd be irresponsible. That's irresponsible. My responsibility if someone attacks me is to attack them back. Yeah. And that's actually a, a certain kind of honor code. You know, oh, and yeah. one of the things it does is it makes people think twice before they attack you. Well, welcome to creating as much safety as you can in a world that is pre-legal. Well, and what's frustrating Trump most? The judiciary. Yeah. <laughs> they won't let him they won't let him execute people and fuck people up and throw people into jail and do all the things that he wants to do. He's so frustrated. Now, so I agree with that in terms of and, and also the thing that, that bothered me about the um um, and this is another green pathology that bothered me about the analysis is that when he gets around to educating the whole child, okay? So if if I want to, and I, I agree with that, educate the whole child. Well, me too. Yeah. All right, so if, if I'm telling people um, that they're closed down and evil and fucked up, they're not going to really see me as an expert around helping their children grow, Okay. I need to be able to, and, and most people, when you meet when person to person, they're a good person. Okay? Even red people, if you don't cross them, yes. you, know, totally. they'll, you know, they'll deal with you person to person. That We all have instincts to be social and to be socially engaged. People who know Trump say he's quite a character. He's very entertaining. He's a lot of fun. Oh, I had a client who said, who, a woman, who said he, he, would never, he was never anything but a gentleman around her because yeah. she was in a psychological position in his world that he had, he respected her. Okay. It's like, you know, 19th century uh, England, you know, there were the, there were mm-hmm. the prostitutes and, and call girls you got to have, you go party with, but then there were the ladies that you had to be polite to. Mm-hmm. It was just that kind of morality. Get that. Yeah. yeah. So I agree. I agree with your critique of, of, of Sharmer and, and, I, and it's interesting to me because I know Marcelo is in a Glean form, and I know he hangs out with Otto. And I'm, you know, I'm going to ask Marcelo next time I talk to him, has he ever had conversations with Otto about this kind of stuff? Yeah. You know, if I ever yeah, make well, it, 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 it leads to, um, you know, and, and Sharmer does this in the article. Uh, it, you know, it talks about the appointment of Kavanaugh as uh, polluting the Supreme Court. Uh-huh. <laughs> no. That it's so you know in the climate thing, any kind of questioning of the climate catechism is you know makes you a bad person or makes you a bad faith, uh-huh. and oh, I'm just so tired of it. 
It's you know, irritating. I can tell it irritates you, doesn't it? I'm very irritated by it. And, you know, I think it's in a way right on schedule. We're supposed to be irritated by the stage that we're trying to claw our way out of, <laughs> you know. Well, and, but I have that too. I mean, well, go on, Keith, sorry. Well, what, what makes me wonder, and, and I don't know, I don't know, I don't, maybe I'll find out, maybe I'll meet him sometime. I, I might, I've been meeting a lot of extraordinary people the last few years. I'm interested in how much he'd be interested in this critique himself. You know, would, would, would it be something that would cause him to reevaluate and up, you know, up his game. I mean, Integral has forced you and me to up our game again and again and again. Yeah. I'm, I'm you know, you, you are, at this point, you're instinctively suspicious of any system that, that, that has a good evil access. I am. I mean, you're right. that's not a conscious thing on, with you anymore. That's, that's knowledge by acquaintance. That's your unconscious going, there's something wrong here. Where is it? Where's the wrongness? Yep. And I'm kind of the same way. Yeah. Though I, I liked the idea, though, of him trying to shift into a direction away from liberal and conservative. Yeah, I do, I too. I understand it. Totally. Um, yeah. And yeah. I actually, there's part of me that is still undecided about the value of condemning and the value of just getting in the fucking arena and fighting and treating <clears throat> people like enemies. I think it, there's a place for that somehow. It's, I, I don't know. I, what I do know is that if we do engage in that kind of behavior, we want to do it skillful, skillfully in the way of a Zen master. That is, you cut off somebody's head cleanly. Yes. You, you, as and you don't enjoy it too much. And Mimo Musashi says you cut, you don't slash. Um, yeah. Well, you know, um, I think... I, one thing that I'm I'm fond of saying is that there's never a situation where it's warranted to be disrespectful. I can tell somebody I think that they're engaging in immoral acts, and, and believe it, um, <laughs> and say, uh, in my standard, that's an immoral act. It's an immoral act to to bias GDP an extra half point to cause a certain amount of suffering in people. That's not moral in my standard, but apparently it's moral in yours. I can express that moral disagreement respectfully. If somebody thinks it's fine to humiliate another person, um, I'm going to interrupt them in my presence. I don't let people do that. Yeah. But you know, I'm going to I'm going to interrupt them respectfully. I got to do that with couples all the time, and say, look, you know, I, I don't want. <laughs> I imagine to you're one of the best people on the planet at doing that. <laughs> After 50 years of psychotherapy and oh, couples, makes me think of a. I mean, you know, every time that happens, I, you know, I'm not thinking about something that happened a year ago. I'm thinking that something that happened yesterday morning, you know, I mean, it's just, it's, it's, but so you can, you can always be respectful and you can have a moral disagreement. Now, in terms of condemning, you know, it's saying that I think it is wrong to hurt people. I think that it is wrong to have concentration camps of immigrants in the United States. That's a form of condemnation. Um, I think it's morally wrong. I think it's politically wrong. I think it's psychologically wrong. I think it's wrong on every level. Okay. Um, and I know that it's a complex system. The people that I feel really bad for, you know, all the people that are trying to administer those things without enough resources because they're, not, they're being starved for resources by the administration. Yep. Can you imagine being somebody there who's trying to keep order in that situation, not getting enough food, not getting enough medical stuff? Not no. getting the, the, the support that they want. No. I mean, it's just a mess. Um, yeah. So I think that it's good to condemn. Yeah, I do too. And, and I think that it's good to do the best job we can 
at understanding it. Yeah. And there are people who support this that aren't bad people. And what they're saying, what, what, you know, what, their worldview is in a way grounded in the sense that they realize that there's no non-hurt option. There's no option where somebody's not going to be hurt. Yeah. So let's just pause right there and let that in. Because so much of what passes for political outrage, well, is political outrage, is the, uh, is, the, is the acceptance of reality versus one's fantasy of how things ought to be. Right. And every stage has their own fantasy about how things ought to be. And the conservatives or the closed people, mm -hmm. uh, their fantasy is that America has a certain quality of culture that multiculturalism, enough already with the, they, 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 we liberals have no idea how we have instituted multiculturalism in the public discourse of this country. Oh yeah. We don't have no idea how we have won that argument. Right. Also globalism, which is the, the sort of the modern hegemony. And yeah. traditionalists are like, we're suffocating here. Mm -hmm. You know, and we can see that as racist, and we could see that as brutal, and we could see that, but what it is is actually this, the functioning of an adult at a traditional stage of development that doesn't see outside their ethnic group or it starts getting fuzzier, literally, literally. Well, it also, also doesn't see um, the larger view of social movements. Right. So, so, okay, so talking about dealing with facts. Dealing with facts is when you have a country where you educate the women, the birth rate drops dramatically. Okay, given given the current nature of 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 uh, industry, um, uh, that means there's not going to be enough workers as people get older. Similarly, there have always been migrations, and there has almost never been anything that has successfully blocked a migration. Immigration is one thing. There's a migration, there are migration forces now working out of Africa to Europe and out of South America in the United States. So, you, so there's managing the migration, but you can't stop it. You know, trying to stop it. I, I, I don't know of any historical precedent of stopping a large migration movement. There, there might be, maybe I'm not enough of an historian to do it. So I well, really let's just let, we could certainly agree or stipulate that stopping a migration is never pretty. Yeah, how could it be? Whether or not you're successful, it ain't pretty. Yeah, it ain't pretty. And and so and so the larger forces, you know, there are large economic forces and dynamic forces and personal forces and and, and so on. And and where and where they're going, okay. Uh, it, it, and I and I get it. If you have a situation where people have to suffer, so we don't want our people to suffer. You know, if we have to choose between, you know, this is, this is, this is, this is certain wisdom in that. This is, this is amber, amber. And, you know, I, I have an amber part of me that is exactly like that. If mm -hmm. someone says, well, we're going to solve the homeless problem, Keith, we're going to turn all the houses around you into multi-room homeless encampments where people can have their own rooms and they can garden in the backyard yeah. and they're all going to be surrounding your house. Yes. Okay. And yes. I go, you know, I don't really want you to do that. Yeah. I don't want you to change the zoning so then I have to deal with what that's going to cause me to have to deal with. Yes. That's my amber going, I'm protecting yes. my borders. Yeah. And do a lot of liberals have the luxury of living in places where it's actually not affecting them.
like Boulder and Santa Not Park. really. In fact, it's affecting them in the sense that they have more people doing their laundry and more people mowing their grass. That's <laughs> true. You know, so, you know, is I don't say any of this, and I know you don't either, in, 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 uh, in defense of brutality, I, I, you know, but an integral view just lets those all in, lets all those perspectives in, and, 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 and in so doing, breathes into a larger space where we have a larger identity that, that where that space itself has a loving intelligence. I think that the, 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 there's a certain faith in human nature that you have if you're a developmentalist, which I think is a great thing for integral. And humans want to produce and they want to do what they do well. It's very pleasurable to do something you do well. One thing that uh, uh, Marcelo does with companies, he'll take the employees and he does a two-day workshop with the employees purely on, on what, what is it that lights you up and what is it that you do well. So two days exclusively on that, nothing to do with the company. And then on the third day, they bring in what the mission is and the, and, and the activities of the company. And they go, so where's the bridge between what you like to do and you do well and where you want to grow and what this company needs? You know, is there, is there a bridge there? Is there some spot? Because the principle here is that people like doing what they do well and they like doing what gives them, gives them goosebumps. And so we want, we want more. And if, if you arrange that, people are not going to sit around and just get loaded all the time, um, except, except the addicts and then addicts. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's, I think that's so true that it needs to just be a pillar of any kind of social policy. And I'm still not sure there's, isn't a certain strata that the, the, the point I'm making here is a humane one that just actually just need to be taken care of. For whatever reason, they need to be taken care of at a certain level of decency that we haven't quite achieved yet. You, you know where that happens? It happens with with um, um, I'm not, I see it happening. It happens with kids with learning disabilities, sometimes autistic kids. Um, I'm seeing in the school systems them getting a lot of support. I'm seeing in social systems, you know, there's there, there's an understanding of we have to support them in having their lives. So what if that gets extended to people who just, you know, can't resolve their addiction or to people that are born with no conscientiousness? You know what I mean? Yeah. So I think in general, people like to have meaning. I do too. I do too. I'm going to go with you on that one. You know, I'm going to say that's the side of the street because that way we, at least we die trying. Yeah. You know? Yeah. At least we do our best with every person, you know, no exceptions. Everybody's 100% in the game. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, no, I like that. Uh, but the other thing that I would say uh, that I think Integral brings us to, uh, it's kind of a critique of Sharmer's article here, mm -hmm. is even when he talks about um, whole person education or whole, whole child education versus, you know, just putting facts into them. Uh, as if it's something that we have to fix and move from here to there. It's actually happening. Yeah. It's happening. It's happening all over the place. Yeah. I mean, can we notice that? Can we see well, that we're, maybe we're not there yet, but look at what we've done and look at, you know, look at these kids today, for God's sakes, exhibit A. Well, certainly the, it's more and more of an unconscious assumption that, when you have smaller classes and you have people that are focusing on, on kids' individual development, 
almost everybody will go, yeah, that'll make things better. That's better. I mean, I, I, I've yet to find someone progressive or conservative who would disagree with what I just said. Okay. So I agree with that. And also we're beginning to see the fallacies of mile wide, inch deep education. Mostly what it does is it turns kids off at the age of about 11 or 12. And that's really where it's hitting. You know, yeah. and the people that are doing research on high schools are finding again and again and again that they need to, that the, the classes where you get kids that are really making something happen have reconceptualized high school. Mm. They're saying, okay, we give them basic learning, basic math and basic reading skills. And now we find what they're interested in and we give them a challenge to make something happen that's meaningful to them. And we get people to support them in doing that. And then when kids do that, they grow and they contribute. Absolutely. You know, each each kid gets sort of their own curriculum. And and one of the things that I wanted to stand up and cheer when I read this in Sharmer's article was he, he talked about the new digital divide. Oh, yeah, that was Isn't that something? Mm-hmm. And the new digital divide is the divide between kids who have unlimited screen time and those that have limited screen time. Screen time. And, and, and I think he even talked about radically limited screen time. He has data that says that if you limit, and, and you know, middle-class kids have about half the screen time of lower socioeconomic kids, which are largely minority, but not not exclusively. And they have a lot better learning outcomes. And so he says now the privileged are the the people that are privileged enough to limit screen time so that their kids have to develop in other ways rather than the the people that allow the screen time that um, compromises. Right, right. That was fascinating. It it is, and it flips on its head the problem of two decades ago. Yeah. which is the class of kids who had no access to the internet. That was the di- digital divide versus the ones who were all in it and able to learn and grow with the internet. And it turns out that, wait a minute, it's like letting a kid uh, uh, loose in a field of candy. It's <coughs> oh, yeah. not healthy, you know, or, or you know, it's, it's, you, you end up with the depression and the anxiety and the likes and the dislikes and the bullying and the cyber this and the, you know, it's a nightmare. Uh, it's not just a nightmare. It's also an amazing blessing. You know, what it was, in my opinion, is people did not quantify the significance of person-to-person contact. That human beings need a certain amount of face-to-face, yep. person-to-person contact. Yep. And that if you, you drop below critical levels of that, you start having neurological deficits and developmental arrest. Yep. And, and, you know... It's, it's, you cannot, now you and I are doing it now, but it's not like, you know, you're a video program and I'm, you know, or I'm a video, it's person to person. Yeah. And well, so that, and the blessing part of it is that you and I are able to talk, you know, otherwise you'd be at Santa Barbara and we'd be sending letters, you know, and sealing them with wax. Yeah, you're right. So, you know, it's a great thing. I, I see these Muslim kids on Reddit and, you know, everybody's in the game, especially these younger people. It's astonishing how they uh, therapize each other and Aww. give each other advice and, uh, and help and uh, hear and see and be seen. And it's astonishing. But the downside, it's, you know, it's like I, I, I think of it as a diet. You have to watch, a, you know, there's some, it's like, I think a perfect example of uh, that it can help us see the problem is porn. Oh yeah. 
and how talk you know, about you, your empty you, calories. Yes, you have, <laughs> exactly. You have these young people who they're all self-identified. I don't know, also self-identified, but there's these groups on Reddit where they are helping each other to get rid of the porn so that they yeah. can actually have a girlfriend or a boyfriend. The yeah, porn is the Coca-Cola of video. Yeah. You know, it's like the, you know, like the, the, the soda pop. It's the empty calories of, yes. of video. Yeah. Uh, and there's a whole category of empty calories in the uh, digital world that I think he identified really well. And I think that the new um, insight is radically limited screen time for children. Right. And then time in nature, time with human beings. Yes, time in nature. Time, time, time nature. with human beings. First and second person. Yeah. yeah. You know, yeah. actually third person too. Okay. But <laughs> we don't want to bias any of the real thing. We don't want it all digitized. We want the vinyl. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I'm so down with that, mm -hmm. which is one of the reasons I love being a therapist. You know, no matter how, no matter what the deal is, I get to have an hour face to face with somebody. Oh. You know, person to person. Oh, yeah. So, you know, whatever's going on in an hour of us being face to face or in, a, or, in a, or in a relationship that goes over time, I know that healing things happen. I know yep. that. And That's I know right. that that can't be, you can't replace that with, yeah. with, with something canned. Right. You can't replace that with a video program, even though, you know, I'm kind of interested in creating a relationship trainer in a box. I don't know if I'm going to end up doing that sometime. Well, but. I think, you know, again, we can use this amazing tool in a way that actually creates real relationship. Yeah, that's uh, what I would I want. We're working on that. I think yeah. that's some of that's yet to come. Yeah, if but I did that, it would be something that encouraged people to have person-to-person -person contact. Yeah. In well, it's, you know, if I think about what you were just saying about being a therapist, it's a little bit, you know, I, I write this large for sort of what we ought to be doing as a culture. Mm -hmm. And that is... You know, correct me if I'm wrong, but a lot of therapy, particularly couples therapy, and I've been in some very effective couples therapy, is letting the worldview of the other person in. Oh, it's always that. To their satisfaction. Always so understand. Say, yes, you got it. Compassion and understanding. Yeah. The hardest thing to teach. Yeah. You know, couples get into it, and the hardest thing to teach is don't advocate your position. Focus on compassion and understanding your partner until they feel understood. Yes. If you do that, things will change. Yes, it's, things will well, change. It's the hardest thing to teach. You don't even have to try that hard. Ugh. It's just obvious what needs to happen. Thanks. And that's what we need to be doing in our culture. And I think Otto Scharmer could learn that from Integral. But, mm -hmm. you know, uh, part of our job is to, you know, we're public intellectuals. We're critiquing other public intellectuals. And that's just you know, how we're all moving the ball. So well, sure. I wish somebody comes and critiques me at some point. That would totally. be a lot of fun. Yeah, exactly. I don't want to be critiqued on the other hand, but I do see I the, mind it. I see I the value mind. of it for other people. <laughs> I, you know, I, I wouldn't <laughs> mind it as a dialectic. I, mean, I think that would be kind of fun. I mean, certainly when people have had problems with my, well, that hardly ever happens. I got kind of an inclusive, you know, integral, it's hard to argue with integral. Yeah, I mean, we have a cosmology that includes the whole cosmos from before the beginning of time to after the end of time. Yeah. It's kind of hard to find, you know, a purchase point to argue with that. I mean, yeah, yeah, and you, you were somebody who's just fundamentally friendly. It's kind of like, oh, okay, <laughs> all of a sudden I'm disarmed. You know, I'm, 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 I'm just... 
All right, Keith. Well, I think we sorted all that out. <coughs> I feel better. Again, once again. <laughs> Fun talking hey, to you about this. Totally. And actually, to, to just get to what we were talking about, if somebody has a critique of us, what we're talking about, a different view, whatever, please write. Yeah. Jeff, Jeff at dailyevolver.com or Keith, what's your email? Go on my website, drkeithwitt.com, and there's a link to get my uh, my uh, email address and just email me. Yep. And sign and up for can... my website. Yep. Same here, dailyevolver.com. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, man. So, anything else we need to say? No, I think we've said it all for today. We've yeah. said it all. We'll check in for the next uh, next episode. Yep, next adventure of the Shrink and the Pundit. Thank you, Dr. Keith. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. See you next time. Much love to everybody.